So I am Bernie, if you're visiting with us. Uh, Pastor Steve is uh, away celebrating the birth of his granddaughter and uh, won't be back for another couple weeks. Grandson? Grandchild? Is it a grandboy? Grandboy? Grandboy. <laughs> oh, it shows you what I know. They all come in. They all want the same thing. Be fed. Change the diapers. So I'm doing a series on living for Jesus, right? And, and the question that I want you to be thinking about is, what am I going to leave behind? And I would love to leave behind a legacy that, that, that people said, I saw Jesus in Bernie all the time. I don't want a legacy of, I just saw Bernie. <laughs> I didn't even know he was a Christian. I've actually, uh, I forget where it was, but, but there was, um, there was a, a person in this company that I had been with and for 16 years, and I found out they were a Christian. And they had been a Christian for 16 years, and I worked with them, and I never knew it. And see, the part of the problem is, is that we're not living like Jesus, right? I don't know about you, but I have the opportunity not to live like Jesus every single day. I'm camping right now. I brought my boat with me, and yesterday I'm putting the boat in the water. And if you're familiar with boating, there's a little plug that goes in the back end of the boat that you put in before you put it in the water. I disconnected the boat from the trailer. I pulled it out, and I suddenly look, and I see water bubbling up into the boat. I'm already off the trailer, <coughs> and I'm going, ah! I didn't yell for Jesus, I yelled for Helen. <laughs> I've got people waiting to get into the dock. I have people waiting to launch their boats, and I've got a problem. And I am feeling like I have the responsibility of their impatience upon me. And it is now my responsibility to fix them. Don't laugh at me because a lot of us are like this. And I can tell you that in those brief moments, I wasn't living like Jesus. <coughs> my boat is for sale. I just listed it last night. <clears throat> and if you go up to the campsite, you'll see a boat with a for sale sign on it. It is life. So the question, and a little bit of a review, living like Jesus, remember we uh, looked at this before, this is from the Message Bible, where, where the writer is saying, here's what I want you to do, God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around, being with your friends, whatever you want to fill in there, and let it be a place before God as an offering. Everything that you do, let it be an offering for God. There's not the secular and, and the, the uh, uh, spiritual, right? It's all the same. Let it, let it be what, as an offering to God. And then the writer said, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it. Don't be living in such a way that if you pass, people say, I never knew they were a Christian. And that can happen. I hope that it doesn't happen to any of you. 
But the reality is, is that if I'm not checking in with myself, what I find is, and what I illustrated with Mike is, I get way ahead of Jesus. And the thing that he has that I don't have, he has the ability to look over my circumstances to what's in the future. Me, I get blindsided and I only see the moment. Some of you have asked how, that weren't here, um, how I'm doing since open heart surgery. I'm doing great. Again, and I think this is part of it. <coughs> I say I only had an aneurysm. What does that mean? It means I did not have a heart problem. I don't have bad valves. I didn't have a heart attack. I don't need stents. I don't have any blockages. So I'm going to continue to eat the bacon. The worst thing is I had, in order to get the upper arch of the aorta, they had to slice me down through here, along with a zipper, and this bothers me sometimes down through here because it's all muscle. And so when they did that, so now when I'm lifting things, sometimes that bothers me. And my daughter says, are you supposed to do that? (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) Okay, so I left you last week with, on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing? How are you doing? I hope that you've been thinking about that. I really do, because self-inventory is, is awesome and a part of how we change. And then we ask you to do one thing, just identify one thing, and then starting that. Remember, a goal without a plan is just a dream. So, <coughs> staying in Romans, Paul says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing. And then he says, for, or, or Jesus said, let me, let me go back for a moment. Let God transform you. The word there is metamorphi, metamorphosis. It's what it's the it's 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 what's the caterpillar does in order to become a butterfly. How many of you want to stay a worm all your life? Nobody, right? You don't want to be a worm, do you? No, you want to be a butterfly. Well, in order to be a butterfly, you've got to go through a transformation. The problem is, is that we fight it. We fight it. And so, the, the, the thing that I need to deal with is the stuff that's in my heart. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind means your heart, your mind, your soul. Jesus said it this way, for the heart, from the heart come what? Good thoughts, evil thoughts. Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. The heart is deceitfully is deceitful above all things. Jeremiah seventeen nine. Who can understand it? Have you ever done something and go, "Why did I do that?" Have you ever had something come out of your mouth and you went, "Whoa, where did that come from?" I mean, sometimes I have to watch opening my mouth before I've engaged the brain. 
I don't know if you've had that problem, but I have said things to my wife that I wish I could take back. But I can't. I have to laugh. You know, we've been married like forever, right? 54 years. And she's irritating me sometimes. And where is that coming from? Stuff within us, within each of us. She grew up in one family, I grew up in a different family, and our family of origins clash. I was thinking about this as I was sitting there, and we went camping, and on a Thursday she said to me, are you going to pack? I have a problem with packing. Here's my biggest problem with packing. I take too much. So if I wait to the last minute to pack, I will take less. Because if, I pack, if we're going away on Friday and I start on Monday to pack, I will find more things that I might need. I, so I packed on, on Friday morning. And we're leaving that day. I packed a bag that's about this wide, long, this wide, and about that high. I put three pairs of shorts in them and I've only worn one. I've got five pairs of socks and I've only got one pair on. And I've only... I brought six t-shirts. Stop laughing, you're going to wash them. (laughs) And I've, I've worn one. I've got two pairs of long pants in case it got cold and it snowed or something. I don't know. I mean, I needed one pair for today. Or I didn't. I could have worn shorts. And I was looking at it earlier and I thought, why have I got all of this stuff? Because that is the way that I'm wired. And how many of you know that, that, that there's that time you, you put on what you're going to put on and you get in front of the mirror Ah, this isn't going to work. And you start taking that off and you put something else on. And you put the other thing on and you go, nah, that's not going to work either. And you take that off and you put something else on. I, the pants that I have on right now, you don't know this, but I don't have a belt on. And, there, and I put the belt on. I had brought a belt with me. And the belt that I brought with me does not fit these loops. It's too wide. And I went, oh, I know what belt goes on these pants. I finally remember, where is that belt? So, yes, dear, it's home, but I don't know where at home. But some of you are like that, right? And where does that come from? I don't know. I don't. But it's frustrating for me. The other thing, in my Mike, I was thinking about this. In my family of origin, nobody is above five foot five. Nobody. Yeah, my oldest daughter is four foot eleven, and what she doesn't make make up for in height, she makes up in control. <laughs> She's the oldest. So Jesus says this in Mark's. It's a little bit more than what I just shared with you, and Jesus said it's what comes from the inside that defiles you, for from without. Within, out of a man's heart, come the evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceitfulness, lust, 
desires, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these vile things come from where? Within us. Within us. We inherit things from our families. Genetically, we, we inherit a lot. If, if, you, if my brothers and sisters were here, you'd, you would go, invariably, you would go, wow, you people are alike. You're all sadistic and crazy. <laughs> that runs in families too, right? It's fun. And, but it's in us. There are things that just come naturally to us, and and it's sometimes Helen will go, "Where did you think of that?" I said, "I don't know. I mean, it's just normal for me because of it's in me. There's a there's a thing that's in me. You know that that twins that were separated at birth come together forty years later, and they work in the same professions. Uh, they look alike. They married the same kind of women." They have the same number of children. It's, it's, it's uncanny. So, I want you to think about this. That what we live with, we learn. And what we learn, we practice. And what we practice, we become. Now, think about it in this way. The scripture says, train up a child in the way that they should go. So that when they are older, they shall not depart. Well, if that works for righteousness, doesn't it also then conversely work for unrighteousness. I grew up, well, okay, I haven't really grown up yet. I'm still working on that process. I have not arrived. I'm still going there. But there were eight kids in our family. And, you know, it was a time that we rode in the back of pickup trucks and all of that. And my father and mother were fairly strict, um, I guess. But, but one of the things that somehow I learned as a child was that I learned if I took care of other people and made them happy that my life was okay. You know, I can remember being told to be seen but not heard. I said to my daughter this morning, I said, do you know, I really love just being in a quiet place away from people. And she laughed and she goes, me too. She goes, Dad, do you remember when we were on that missions trip in Mexico and you came out of the service and you found me sitting under the tree? I said, yeah. I like being alone and away from people. Why? Because I'm an introvert by nature, but guess what? I don't have the luxury of being an introvert right now. I can't go sit in the corner. And so I have to be what is not natural for me to be. And what I learned is growing up, I learned to be what was unnatural for me. And so I became more concerned with taking care of you, someone else. Well, guess what happens when you do that? The thing that happens is, is that you lose who you are. I can remember being asked what I wanted for my wife in a particular event in our lives, and I said, I want her to be happy. No, they asked what I wanted. I want her to be happy. Good for her? What about you? I want her to be happy. Five times, same question. And then I, I blew up. 
I said, why do you want to know what I want when no one in my life has ever cared what I wanted? (gasps) I heard what I just said. And I realized it was true. And I tell you, I broke down. I broke down because I knew it was true, and yet I had been living a life that took care of other people. And so I've realized that what we live with, we learn it. We become that. That's not always a bad thing, but sometimes we learn things that are not healthy for us. How many of you are, don't tell me, but how many of you are caretakers? How many of you are good at taking care of other people, but not good at taking care of yourselves? Moms, women are really good at that. They're, they're really good at denying themselves and taking care of the child. I used to get so upset with my wife, we'd go shopping. She still does this. We go shopping and she's picking out things for grandchildren or great-grandchildren. And, I, and I'm pleased. The other day she said, I am done buying things at yard sales for my great-grandchildren because my grandchildren buy what they want. But get her to buy something for herself. It's not wired. So what we live with, we learn. What we learn, we practice. And what we practice, we become. It's not a bad thing, but at the same time, living like Jesus gets affected by this. Because how can I live for Jesus if I have not learned how at all in life? And so, and so part of what I want to, I ask the self, if, if everything is coming from within, and then the behavior that's being demonstrated outwardly is the result of something going on internally, then I ask this question. What is the real problem? Is it the behavior that you see, or is it what's fueling the behavior? Is it the thought patterns that are going on underneath the surface that we are not necessarily even aware of that's fueling that? One of the ways that I look at this, we tell people you shouldn't tell kids this. Don't be swearing. Don't swear, right? Well, is swearing the problem? Or is it what is behind the swearing that is the issue? I grew up in a home that anger was not okay. Don't be angry. Don't be angry. Poor Mike, I'm sitting here looking at Mike. I, my older brother, my next oldest brother, his name is Mike. James Michael. Michael is 23 months older than I am. When I came along, I took his position away from him. He was the baby of the family, and now I am the baby of the family. And Mike and I, over the years, would be somewhere, and Mike would introduce me and say, Hi, this is my brother Bernie. Mom loved him best. What we live with, we learn. What we learn, we practice. What we practice, we become. At two years old, my brother saw, I believe, and I really confronted with him. He stopped doing this, by the way. I confronted him on it, and I said, Mike, you have some inner healing that needs to be done. Because when you introduce me, what you're saying is, he took my place and I don't like him. Because mom loved him better, more than me. And I became second to him. two-year-old. 
See, I believe that's what he felt. Me, on the other hand, didn't know anything about it. But he and I used to fist fight. And why? Because the underlying issue is what is fueling the behavior. And I, I, find, I find I don't get upset with words that people use. I want to know what's going on underneath the word. Because if you don't get to what's underneath the word, you don't solve the problem. I was a young boy. My father had raised honeybees. And I'm in the car and there's a, there's a bumblebee in the car. And I am bawling. I am bawling. I am, I can't, I'm crying so hard I can't speak. And my father gave me one of these. If you don't knock it off, I'll give you something to cry about. You heard that, right? None of us have ever used that. Never. And I am trying to talk, and I can't, and I do think he gave me something to cry about. And I finally got out that my fingers were caught in the door. You see, what I'm trying to say is the problem... What he was hearing as the behavior was the result of a different issue than he assumed. I tell the story often. In fact, we just talked about it yesterday. My granddaughter, Samantha, one of my grandchildren, Samantha is now 30 years old, but when she was five, four or five, I came up to pick her up and to take her for the day and out to lunch. And I get there and my daughter says, she can't go. What what do you mean? What what, what do you mean you can't go? She can't go. She is bad. She went into her and cut the screen out of her bedroom. She took a a knife and a pair of scissors and cut the screen out of her bedroom. And so I go in and there my little granddaughter, cute as she was, you know, perfect little thing. And she is crying. Mommy won't let me go. And, and I said, well, she's got a stack of like one inch square screen on her dresser. And there's a gaping hole in the screen. And I said, what were you doing? She goes, I was making firewood. Firewood. <laughs> she was cutting the screen out to make firewood for her imag- imaginary fire. And so I'm looking at it from the standpoint of the behavior or the underlying issue of the behavior is not what you're thinking. It's not because she's evil, child, you know. She is doing something in her imagination which is okay. And so I went out to rescue my granddaughter from my daughter to tell her what was going on, that what is the real problem here? The real problem is... Her imagination has gotten her in trouble. I've been there as a child. I know that. I won't bore you with some of my stories. I thought that I could then reprieve my daughter from a life sentence of torture, and I, uh, but it didn't work. And so we actually were talking about this, and, and my daughter, my oldest daughter, my youngest daughter said, I am going to get up at your funeral and tell everyone that the story you repeat the most is that story how your granddaughter was so perfect. (laughs) She didn't go with you, did she? No, she didn't go with me. But we have to look, and try to identify what the real problem is. 
You see, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. This is what Paul says. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. How do you know if it's your sinful nature? The, the, the reality is you cannot change what you won't acknowledge. You have to look at what's going on and what you're doing. Listen, I... Yeah. So we get the boat finally. I get the plug in. We get the boat. I get the sump pump running. Get the water all out. And I take off. And, and I go out around the lake. And as I'm going around to the lake, I'm going, I hate boating. What am I out here for? I hate this. I don't like it. You're like, Sam, I am. I don't like it, Sam, I am. And so I go out and then I come back and, I, and, I, and I'm going to beach the boat on the rocks because that's the only place I can go. And so I, very, I throw an anchor out and I secure it and I get three of my great-grandchildren and their father and we get in the boat and we, everybody gets life jackets on and we go out. And I'm like, I still don't like this. And so I decide I'm not going to leave the boat down at the lake. I'm going to go up and get it. It's thundering and lightning. Everyone gets off the boat. It's thundering and lightning. My trailer is back at the campsite. My vehicle is on the other side of the lake. And <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm walking to get the boat. And I, here's the conversation I'm having with the Lord as I'm walking I've got a right calf that keeps cramping up. And I'm walking and I'm going, Lord, what am I supposed to learn from this? Because I'm not happy. Lord, what am I supposed to learn from this? Because I'm not happy. And it was a good thing my family wasn't around because I, you ever been in a place you want to take someone's head off and it doesn't matter whose it is? And, and so I'm walking back. I can't find my wife. She disappeared. I didn't know if the rapture came and I'm left alone. And I look over, and there she is sitting by the, by the vehicle on the ground, waiting for me. And she must have known I was just not in a good place. And, but you see, part of what I want to in, in, express to you is that when we're in that difficult place, the questions that we need to be asking is, the Lord, what is going on in me? You see, part of the problem that I was having was, guess what happened to my control? What I had planned and what my experience became was totally different. And I don't, I am one of those people that want things to go the way I want things to go. And I don't like interruptions. I don't like hiccups in my planning. Anyone like that? Someone is. Praise the Lord. That's a problem. And you see, the reality is you can't change what you won't acknowledge. Everyone else can see it, maybe, but you can't. And so, and so the question becomes, then what am I going to do with it? And, and I think the answer lies in this kind of a prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, my anxious thoughts, because I have anxious thoughts. I was at the earlier service, and I realized that during the service, I hadn't taken my blood pressure medication, which is important. I have high blood pressure. 
Now, here's what I try to do. You ever, white coat syndrome, you, sin, syndrome, you go into the doctor's office to get your blood pressure taken, and it's elevated. I'm the kind of person that goes in and, and tries to will it down. Oh, ooh, uh. You know, like somehow, it's going to go down to 120 over 60. That's not going to happen. I mean, if it's 120 over 60, I'm getting ready to call the rescue squad because I think I'm going to die. It's so low. But I don't think I have anxiety, but I do have anxiety. And I'm not consciously aware of it. I don't recognize it. I'm beginning to... By the way, I'm 73 years old. I should be past this. But the problem is I'm not past this because I'm learning new things about me every day. Some of them I don't like. My wife helps me because she says, well, I could have told you that. She says that to me. So I like to ask the Lord, point out everything that offends you, Lord. So why? So that I can change that. Because if I want to live like Jesus if I want to leave something behind, I want to leave something that helps people to know Christ. You know the verse that Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself? Well, how's he going to be lifted up if he isn't lifted up in our lives? How's he going to be lifted up if he's not lifted up through what we do? How we handle issues? I don't know about you, but I am not particularly fond of the cross. And yet, God often asks us to go to the cross, to give up our stuff. I drive my wife crazy because I, I left here, I went back, I had blueberry pancakes, which I hate. But it was free food. So while I'm eating, I ask my wife what it's for lunch. I do this all the time. I'm eating breakfast, I'll ask for what for lunch is. At lunch, I'll ask what's for dinner. I've already asked what's for dinner. Because part of it is I'm trying to plan out how much I'm going to like the food today. I like to eat. I enjoy eating. But, but, but part of the problem is, is that I don't want to sit down and look at something that I detest. And so I might have the influence as to what we're going to have for lunch. <laughs> Yesterday, we went out and got subs. Because hot dogs didn't sound like what I wanted to eat. Look, you can't cover up wounds and expect them to heal. You can't uncover up life, pain of disappointments, of rejection, abandonment, and expect it to go away. And the problem is, is that these kinds of things are what's fueling our lives and our behavior. And we don't recognize it. I, today's Memorial Day, right? Or Memorial Weekend. And, and my wife said to me, I thought you were going to wear your red shirt today because it's Memorial Weekend. Here's my problem. I didn't, and I've thought about it this morning particularly. Um, I am a, I'm a Vietnam veteran, to me, which doesn't mean anything, but... I don't, I don't, I just don't acknowledge Memorial Day stuff. 
I don't want to acknowledge Memorial Day stuff. And I recently joined a, mili- or a, a veterans v- thing, and after I, and I shared this last week, but I, after, I op- after I did that, I'm realizing that I have, I have stuff that I've tried to cover. This stuff, I'm t- I've tried to cover by behavior and by just moving on. Suck it up, move on. Suck it up, move on. Because I had to in the moment. And, and life is like that. I, I thought about the, the time that I was worked um, with, with um, ambulance stuff and some of the scenes that, that today we would do debriefings for that I don't, they, they, we didn't do debriefings. And I think of some of those things. And I've realized how much stuff in my life I've covered up. Disappointments. Fear. I, I've gone ahead and done stuff because I ignored the fear. <laughs> sometimes, I've in, <laughs> sometimes I've ignored wisdom, too, and done some stuff. <laughs> you know? Anyway... So the problem is, is, is whoops, uh, let me go back here. Yeah, all right, now I know where I am. If we're going to be transformed, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we can't remo- re- renew our minds if we're not going to admit what's there. You can't change what you don't admit. And then, and then part of it is confessing it. And sometimes confessing it is not just to the Lord. It's to another human being. <coughs> I got two friends, two pastor friends that are I'm really, really close to. And one of them had to go out, get up and get married, for crying out loud, and he moved to Colorado. And I'm not happy about that. I'll have to tell him that today. <laughs> but the three of us would get together at least once a month for just time. We shared life confessions with each other. And we would stay open to that as with things that were going on in our lives or things that we discovered. So confession isn't always just with the Lord. It's with others. Why? Because through the confession of our struggles, we help others who are just coming into it. Just becoming aware of it. Some of you have had losses that you just moved on with, but you haven't healed from it. And so we need each other. But there's a whole world out there that is hurting and doesn't understand and doesn't know. And they need us to shine forth with Jesus. I heard in the prayer about our story. The story of what God is doing in our lives. You see, when the Spirit of God fills that place, that void, that emptiness, that hurt and pain, it gives us a message of hope to someone else. I have two tattoos. I think I've told you I didn't get them until I was 70. Because my mother hated them and she passed away in 86 and I didn't want to offend her or that she would come back and kill me. (laughs) 
But the two tattoos are simply about hope. One says, hope has a name. And that reminds me that no matter what you try, no matter what you look for to bring happiness, it will fail without Jesus. That hope is in one. And then the other one is just hope. Hope. Because this world has so many people that have no hope. No hope at all. They may live next door to you. I think I've shared with you our our neighbors where we just moved to. Um, she has had recently a diagnosis of, of colon cancer. And so what are we doing? Part of what we did was bring meals to them, spend time with them. <laughs> He's six foot five, Mike. I attract the big guys. <laughs> just loving them. Sharing. He's a retired Marine. And I have to remind him that he was a part of the Navy. But the question is, is that, is that you can't change what you don't admit. You can't trans- transform your mind without acknowledging what's there to be transformed. And so admitting that becomes part of the process. Confessing it becomes part of the process. And then asking the Holy Spirit to come in and fill that place. Fill that place. How well are you doing? How's it working for you? Because if it's not working for you, that's part of the answer. Let's pray. Father, you have so many So many things for us. You have so many desires. Your scripture says, For I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. And they're plans for good. But how will we know what those plans are if we are allowing life's struggles to get in the way? And that we take control and get out in front and get ahead of you because we're control freaks because we're struggling with insecurity and fears or whatever the issue. Father, search us and know our hearts that we might be working on that, comp- that transformation that you'd so much desire to, to accomplish in us. Might we be like Peter who sees our frailties and understands that we are weak <laughs> without your spirit. We fail. But you call to us, get up, feed our sheep, feed my sheep, he says. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and worship.